Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Running your own business sure sounds like an appealing idea. At least it did to me in 1991 when uh, there was a terrible recession and it made it impossible to find work with any company. And I just graduated from design school and I had to do something with my newfound skill set. This is episode 30, Why Be the Boss? And I'm going to talk about the, the reasons we give ourselves for going into business on our own. And I'm going to debunk some of those reasons as nothing but utter lies that we tell ourselves. And uh, I'm going to talk about the real advantages, at least uh, the advantages I can see in being the boss. Being my own boss is a reason that many of us will use for why we started our own business. Um, It's kind of held up as a supreme example of freedom and independence. But do you have freedom and independence? That's what I want everybody to think about today on the podcast, because you should. If you're running your own business, one of the advantages is that you have freedom and independence. And if you don't have those two things... Maybe it's time to make some changes that will get you there and as quickly as possible. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden, brought to you by Business of Design, a coaching community for independent designers like you. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Hey, Cheryl, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm talking about why be the boss today. And I I didn't mention this in the podcast, but I'm going to say it now that if you have a Cheryl in your life, it's very helpful to help you be a better boss because you push me all the time to take a break, to go on holidays, to unplug, right? And you take stuff off my plate all the time. You delegate up. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah, that term. Especially for those who are, who are working independently, to have that extra person sort of suddenly makes you accountable to somebody else. When you set goals or set timelines, um, you're, you're not just telling yourself anymore. All right. Good. All right. So what's going on uh, in, at Business of Design this week? Uh, next week, our next webinar is coming up on October 25th. Uh, we're up to step 11. We've been taking this year to walk through the 15 steps. So we're up to the client reveal. So make sure you sign up for that. It's coming up on October 25th. And we've been getting such great feedback on all of our podcasts. Um, Marissa from Richmond Hill actually just wrote in that this is one of the best podcasts she's ever heard. It's a great listen and just says thank you and to keep up the good work. Yay. Thank you, Marisha. That's so lovely. Cheryl, thanks for checking in with us. You have a great day. You too. Talk to you soon. And now back to the show. Self-appointed bosses have a number of expressions they love to use when people ask, oh, wow, you have your own business. Tell me about it. We self-appointed bosses will say things like, I love the independence. I get to make my own decisions. I don't have to answer to anyone. I set the dress code, the clock in time. I decide whether I want to work from the office or from Starbucks or from the beach. 
And I never have to settle for things like, that's just the way it is. Uh, There's no red tape between me and the boss. Now, how much of that is actually true? Have you thought about that in a while? Yep, you can make your own decisions, but do you really not have to answer to anyone? I have to answer to a lot of people. Uh, First of all, clients, I have to answer to clients. It's almost like every single client is my boss, actually. Uh, I have to answer to them. Sometimes I have to answer to trades. Sometimes I have to answer to suppliers. Sometimes I have to answer to staff. And yeah, uh, I can decide when I clock in, but I certainly have gotten up early in the morning to finish a deadline and put in some extra hours at night to uh, get something further along uh, so I can enjoy a vacation, etc. So it doesn't quite give me the total independence I thought it might when I launched my own business. We self-appointed bosses also talk about stuff like flexibility and freedom. We say like, oh yeah, I want to run my own company so I can take as much time as I need for the family and I can exercise every day and I can go for lunch and I can have my nails done. And there's a yoga class I just love on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. And the fact of the matter is when I first started my company, none of those flexible freedoms were available to me in in any way, shape, or form. I was just working 24-7. Um, so I think that while those are worthy goals, uh, for many, they're elusive. And they will continue to be elusive if you continue to do things exactly how you're doing them. You know you know that already. I don't have to tell you that. Um, the third thing self-appointed bosses like me, like you, sometimes like to say is the money. It's all mine. All the money is mine. I get to keep everything. I don't have to ask for a raise. There's no salary cap, etc. So this is a category you already know if you've been listening to me for a while that I feel very strongly about, particularly as female entrepreneurs. We're not typically making enough money. So really and truly, are you making enough money? Or are you still telling yourself that next year I'll charge more? As soon as this bubble in the housing market is over, I'll charge more. When the kids are out of school, I'll charge more. Um, Is there still a delay somehow on you finally stepping up and charging what you need to charge in order to really enjoy what I think is should be a major benefit of having your own business, and that is making a lot of money. You know, sometimes people will reach out and they'd say, oh, I would just love to join the business of design community, but I don't have the money. And I'm thinking, wow, if you don't have $67.50 at the end of a month, please, please listen to all of us in the business of design community and raise your rates. Take fewer jobs, raise those rates, groom a clientele that is just right for you, an ideal clientele that will pay your fees. One of the biggest lies that I told myself for many, many years had to do with uh, creative control. I wanted creative control, and then I was going to give all the tasks I don't like to somebody else. And that when I first started out, was such a disaster. I would hire somebody and I'd be so excited about them coming in. I'd say, oh, she's going to be great. And then I would give her a task to do and she wouldn't do it to my liking. 
And ultimately, I would say, oh, you know what? Just, just, just let me do that. I'll just do that just one time. I'll just get that done, and then I'll, I'll teach you how to do it later. And before you know it, that person who came in to really be helpful to me in my business was relegated to the task of running to Starbucks to pick up coffees for us, taking my dry cleaning in, uh, scheduling a flight that I needed. Uh, suddenly, they became kind of a personal assistant instead of someone who's really making an impact on my business. It took me years and years to figure out that I'm not going to be able to successfully hire anyone if they don't have systems that will show them how to do the tasks in front of them. And if you don't have any systems currently, that is daunting. Believe me, I know it's daunting. So business of design is all systems all the time. Everything from how you answer the phone to what's in your contract to how you show up at that consultation, to how you manage the retainer, um, how you receive fabrics and CFAs and place orders and create worksheets and write purchase orders. It's one system after another. I had to get over this idea that every project is different, every client is different, every budget is different. And I had to wrap my head around the fact that I wanted to create a design experience that clients would enjoy and pay for. There was so much value in the experience that they would be willing to pay my fees. And that didn't happen because I'm creative. Not at all. That happened because I created systems one after another to help me run my business. And I will focus uh, on podcasts on some of the systems. In fact, I promise that I'll give that some thought in the next couple of months. We'll throw in a couple systems talks during the podcast. A couple other things we say to ourselves as we go into business for ourselves. Uh, wow, I'm going to be able to enjoy as much time off as possible. I remember years ago going to my husband and saying, you know what? I am going to take three weeks off in the summer so we can just go for a hike, ride a bike, take the kids to the park. Uh, and I looked at my husband like this was just the grandest idea. And I was waiting for him to say, wow, that's amazing. And he looked at me and he looked tired and he said, I would settle for a Saturday off. Because at that time, I was working all weekend long on projects. And we even called uh, that period of time after the kids were in bed, the second shift. Ah, time for the second shift. I have a lot to do tonight. And so I'd put the kids in bed. It's now nine o'clock. And from nine to 11 or nine to 12 or nine to one, I would continue the work that I'd done during the day. So for a long time, I had this idea that I was going to be able to take as much time off as possible. But really, I had to be honest with myself about that. And that was not happening. Again, everything is going to lead back to systems because once I had systems in place and I had people who could run those systems, I actually can take off as much time as I like within reason. So for example, um, Cheryl did the opening of episode number 26 because I was in Sicily riding my bike, which was awesome. Two weeks 
uh, one week on a bike and one week eating pasta, and I did not check in about work at all. I did receive some updates from people, and I said, yay, that's awesome. I answered a couple of questions, but other than that, I was totally unplugged. Uh, Three weeks later, and I am about to take off uh, with a friend from Texas uh, to Myanmar. She has a daughter who's working for an NGO, um, and she is right in the area of conflict. And we are going to be going to Myanmar and seeing her daughter. So um, I'm able to do that. I was able to say, yes, I will go with you because I have systems in place and people who can run the systems. And I could not have done that years ago when I first started out. Sometimes we tell ourselves we love the security of being our own boss, but how often have you looked ahead at the calendar and saw a yawning gap where there should be new clients? And that's a terrifying thing, you know, when you're the person who has to bring in the next customer and the next customer is not in the pipeline That is a scary, scary thing. And for some people, that's the moment where they give up being their own boss and go to work for somebody else. And you know what? That is truly a viable choice. I remember years ago hiring this wonderful guy, Brett Tinson, as the senior designer, and he only wanted to work Monday to Thursday. And I said, oh no, I need someone five days a week. And he said, nope. Monday to Thursday, that's all I'm doing. Anyway, I finally thought, well, I'm going to try this guy out. Wow. What a genius designer. I learned so much from Brett. We worked together about a decade and we're still good friends. And I asked Brett, why don't you have your own business? I don't understand why you would work for anyone else. You know everything. And he said, are you crazy? Who wants to run their own business? That's a horrible way to live. And I really, really understood what he meant, that if you're not careful, you have none of the benefits of being the boss and all of the hardships of being an overworked, underpaid employee. So for some, it does make sense to go and work for a firm that's busy, where you can have autonomy, uh, you can if, you know, get empowered by the projects that you work on, but then you take home a paycheck and you don't check in on the weekends and you go on your three, four weeks of holidays a year and there's a lot of freedom there. Then there's this idea that if we work for ourselves, we don't have to deal with the boss anymore, right? The boss, the evil boss who demands to much, who doesn't appreciate uh, my advanced skill set, etc. But like I said, I think my clients almost are the boss. And I learn how to work uh, with each client because every boss has a different style, right? But I still manage to maintain control and autonomy over my business. And I have rules that I need everybody to comply with. Um, And When it comes to being a boss, I never had a boss that was crueler to me than I was to myself. In other words, I never had a boss who made me work the second shift at night, who made me work evenings, who made me work weekends, who made me work from my family holiday. I never had that boss. But when I became my own boss, that was who I was. So in fact, I don't think it's so much that I hate bosses as um, that I had maybe a naive picture of what it was going to be like to run my business. 
The bottom line is there are too many of us professionals out there who absorb all the responsibility of ownership without enjoying any of the benefits. So think about those benefits. I can tell you the one that happened for me. I was out with friends and one of the husbands said something about playing golf. He was going to be playing golf with a few of his clients and taking the day to play golf. And I thought, well, I could never take the day to play golf. And then I thought to myself, why can I never take the day to play golf? Why can he take the day to play golf? What is going on here? How do I get into that club? And um, the answer was not easy, but it was simple. Uh, The simple answer, you already know it, is create systems so other people can run those systems. And as I said, it can be daunting if you don't have any, but start with one. Start with the one thing in your business right now that is making your life miserable, whatever it is. It might be log sheets. Maybe you're terrible at log sheets. Maybe you just can't stand tracking your hours. And so you don't. And so when it comes time to bill your clients, there's nothing recorded and you're making it up and you know you're not making enough money because you're not writing down those hours. Then that's the one place you need to start to create a system. I don't care if you don't know what the solution is right now. Go into that problem knowing that there is a solution and you need to find it. You might even need to ask a couple of friends to help you create that solution. And at least for me, I had to be open to really grasping that I didn't know how to do everything. I'd been in business for quite a while when I hired my first business coach. And so I thought I knew how to do stuff because I'd been in business for a long time. Well, I knew how to do stuff, but I knew how to do it the wrong way. I became really good at working in a very poor style. And I was committed to that very poor style when I met my business coach. So one of the first things I had to do is just grasp that I don't know everything and that if I would be open to it, I could transform my business and change my business, but I really had to listen to somebody else if I was serious about that. Today, while it's true I have independence in my business, um, the one thing that can happen if you work for yourself and you don't have staff or you don't have contract help, you can really feel isolated. You can feel isolated between, uh, it's just little old you stuck between the trades and the clients and you're always the person who's getting the grief. So you do need a support group. You do need to have a mature support group who's got your back. Um, And the Business of Design community, of course, is there for you. Reach out to us on the Facebook page. If you're having a problem, I guarantee you there's someone who has a solution for you and you'll know that you're not alone. I can look back at what it was like when I first started and really I'm in awe that I even survived the grueling pace and the constant, constant chaos that was in my life. And today I can say, wow, I'm so grateful that I have all these systems in place uh, that I have created for myself finally um, a business rather than uh, creating for myself a job, a job that is relentless and demanding and never lets go. Um, you do a job, right? But you build a business. And if you're building that business, you do want to take time to work on that business. And I've mentioned this book before, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. I don't know, it's got to be 30 years old. It's a tiny little book, less than 100 pages, I think. That book 
um, changed my life when I read it. I really understood that I could spend the rest of my life working, working, working 24-7 and never ever get ahead of the curve and never make the kind of money that I really saw other people making. And I finally came to understand I wanted, I wanted some of that money. Money was not my primary motivator. My husband had a great job, so I wasn't lacking things in my life. And now some of you are listening thinking, well, lucky you, money is a primary motivator for me. I'm a single mom and I need to to earn money. So I'm saying you've got to get there faster than I did. But one day I woke up and I realized, you know, money is an indication of success. It's an indication of having made it. And quite frankly, it's great to be able to fly first class. It's great to be able to stay in a five-star hotel. I like the things that money can buy. So I'm glad I finally woke up and came to that conclusion. Listening to a podcast like this is part of working on your business, but Equally important is implementation. What do you do when you're done listening to a podcast like this? Do you think, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to create a system for purchase orders. They're driving me crazy. Kimberly's right. I'm going to get on that right away. How often do you actually implement what you think you're going to implement? I work with a lot of interior design professionals who are so talented uh, as their coach. And I know within a few months of working with someone, if they're going to really go all the way because they, they're implementers. Uh, I say, let's create a system for this, or would you like to implement my system for that? And if they do it, if they actually do it and jump in, I know that I'm going to be able to double or trick triple their income in the next year. Uh, it's all about how frequently you implement. If you want to step into the role of boss, and I'm talking about capital B-O-S-S, boss, and really, really run a thriving enterprise that feeds your soul, that puts money in your bank account, that gives you accolades and pride, um, then I think there's a few things you want to consider doing on a regular basis. So number one, I would weigh the payoff of every task. Make sure you're spending your time doing those tasks that matter. Um, Too often, I will... um, reorganize my office and color code my files, or I'm at uh, Barnes and Noble and they have these beautiful file folders that have flowers on them and I just love them and I buy, you know, 40 of them, I bring them back and I reorganize all the files in our drawers. You know what? Great, super fun hobby, not contributing to the bottom line. So as the boss, um, it's important to make sure that you're tackling those tasks that matter most, those tasks that are billable, those tasks that are going to move the project forward. And in fact, I, I will often uh, wake up in the morning and I will tackle the task I like the least first. I'm fresher in the morning. I'm more excited in the morning about possibilities of the day ahead. And so I will tackle those yucky tasks first. I shared recently about something I read in the New York Times as well that that uh, was a suggestion on time management. And the suggestion was to have a post-it note that says, um, today I will feel awesome if dot, dot, dot. And if you can write one or two things down on that list and you accomplish those two things, uh, one or two things, then you can feel great 
then you can feel great about your day. So today I will feel awesome if I finish all the billable hours for clients. Or today I will feel awesome if I get to my Pilates class and finish the Smith proposal. The second thing I think you've got to learn to do if you want to be the boss with a capital B is you've got to learn to delegate. And delegating, uh, saying to somebody, do this, isn't enough. They have to have the information they need in order to accomplish the task. And that's our responsibility. Too often I'd say, oh my gosh, this girl just is not getting it. Well, she had no opportunity to get it because I didn't explain the task very well. So, Learning to delegate is a real skill set. Um, we had um, Bruce Coxon at a Business of Design conference. He's on Dragon's Den. And Bruce said, if the person you've hired can do a task 80% as well as you can, that's good enough. So uh, to me, I've used that percentage in my mind frequently. And I will look at something somebody's done for me and I think, well, it's, you know, I'd like it to be this, that, and the other thing. But if it's 80% of the way there, I say, thank you, this is great, and I move on. I'm learning to let go of perfectionism, and I'm learning to focus my time and energy on moving projects forward as quickly as possible. And of course, I want them to be great, but as quickly as possible, and I'm going to need help if I'm able to manage that. Number three, if you want to be the boss, you've got to control after hours contact. I see people on Facebook all the time saying, uh, well, yeah, a client texted me on Sunday and she wanted to know dot, dot, dot. No, clients should not be texting you on Sunday. And it's not the client's fault if they're texting you on Sunday. However that got started, you responded and made it okay. What I say to clients is I reserve texting for my children, uh, for my friends, uh, for immediate gratification. So in other words, if I'm uh, uh, parking the car and I'm supposed to hook up with a friend, hey, I just parked at the corner of you know Young and Bloor uh, and I'm walking north towards you now kind of thing. That's what I use texting for. I don't use texting for work. It it implies that I will respond immediately and I stick to old-fashioned email, believe it or not. And I know that's probably going to change in the next few years and we're going to have to figure that out again. But for now, it's email. And the other great advantage of email, of course, is that I can archive those emails. I don't delete anything. So four years, five years, six years later, if a client says, do you remember uh, that such and so that we talked about, I can go back through my email and I can find a record of that conversation. Number four would be to make time off non-negotiable. In other words, if there is a yoga class on Wednesday afternoons at 2 p.m., why can't you make that something that's a priority in your life? Of course you can, but it means being organized and disciplined the rest of the week so that that time becomes sacred. I now have the freedom and flexibility to take almost every weekend off. And I say almost every weekend because sometimes I'll travel quite a bit like I do and I like to do, or I'll be at different speaking events. Uh, 
and um, for a business of design, for example, and I'll miss a few days at the office because I'm in Florida at a speaking event and I'm having a great time and I'm enjoying it. And so when I get back, it's a Saturday, I may choose to work because I haven't worked for three days that week on projects. Uh, but frequently, I'm able to take the entire weekend off. And I'm, and I'm very aware of how different that is from the way that I used to live. Number five uh, would be for me, leave some work on the table. I have learned that I'm never going to finish everything. I'm never going to get 100% of the job done. Um, So I've had to stop when it's good enough. Um, Perfectionism uh, is a killer. Perfect doesn't exist. And um, being the boss, I think, being the the boss, I think... uh, puts a responsibility on your shoulders for knowing when enough is enough. Number six has to do with creating boundaries that are healthy. And, you know, I have thousands of boundaries in my life. Uh, I only take client uh, correspondence via email. That's a boundary. Uh, Clients can phone my cell phone, but I don't pick it up on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon. Uh, That's a boundary. Uh, and, And I will also say that if a client needs to phone me on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon, something's wrong. I have not kept them in the loop enough. So I've got to look at my procedures for updating clients and managing clients and make sure that come Friday afternoon, absolutely every single client knows that they're not going to hear from me over the weekend, that I will talk to them on Monday or Tuesday or whatever the next date is. Um, But creating boundaries is is really important. And uh, there are a couple of podcasts with Dr. Gans Ferrance, and he talks about those boundaries. And I think he's, he's a guy worth checking out for sure. Um, number seven has to do with harness the power of the suppliers you work with. Put those suppliers to work. There's a wonderful company in Vancouver, Layers and Layers. And from time to time, I'll reach out to Sharon and Yvonne and I'll say, hey, I'm working on a huge project. I've got to pull lighting for the whole thing. Here's what I'm, here's the groove I'm after. This is the vibe and the style and et cetera that I'm after. Here's a floor plan that shows all the lighting fixtures I need for the whole house. Can you help a girl out? and send me some photos. Now, I don't recommend that to a supplier you've never used before because they're going to say, wow, she wants me to do her whole job. But if you develop a great relationship with someone... Um, and you give them a lot of business, that is exactly how you can harness the power of those suppliers. And I do that a lot. And it benefits the clients because I'm not spending 17 hours sourcing light fixtures. I'm spending 15 minutes asking my favorite suppliers to come back to me with light fixtures that they know I'm going to love. And then I'll look through those light fixtures and I'll say, I love everything, but I'm not crazy about the one in the guest bedroom and the two in the basement. And they'll bring me some substitute and boom, it's done. Maybe it took an hour, something that might have taken me five or six or seven hours if I had to get in the car and drive to stores and check out light fixtures. So suppliers are ready and able to work for you provided you can give them the information they need in order to be helpful. 
And then number eight, this is not going to surprise any of you. You got to have systems. I just can't say it enough. I know you're creative. I know you love the creative chaos in your life. But if you want to take back weekends, if you want to take back evenings, if you want to go on unlimited vacation and hit that yoga class twice a week, I promise you, you're never going to get there if you don't have systems to help you run your business. Nor are you going to be able to successfully have staff that you can delegate to. So trust me, systems are going going to change your life. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's podcast. If you like the podcast, please check us out on iTunes and SoundCloud and YouTube and subscribe to us and like us and share us. And if you've got an idea for a great podcast, I want to interview you. I'm tired of hearing me talk. I want to hear what you have to say about interior design. Thanks so much for listening in, everyone. Have a great day. business of design, we know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate business challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, plus access to Kimberly Selden as your mentor and guide. Unlike traditional coaching, which can take years to produce tangible results, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $67.50. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.